Are you looking for new and unique devices for your next investigation? Check out those gear. Your son doesn't have to break the bank. You don't need expensive equipment when Ghost Gear offers affordable and dependable devices that will help create a connection with spirits so you can take your paranormal investigation efforts further than ever before. Ghost hunting just got better with the ultrasonic motion detector. It's a must-have for your next ghost hunt. Just point it at the area you wish to detect motion in. The LED display will show how far away the object is. The green light means the object is moving away from the motion detector. The red light means the object is moving closer to the motion detector. There is also an audible alarm that indicates if the object is moving closer or moving away from the device. Ghost here helps you build a connection with spirits and confidently investigate potential hauntings knowing your equipment won't let you down. Visit ghostgeartech.com for your next paranormal investigation. This podcast presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The host purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only answer to paranormal phenomena. We have not yet begun to touch the surface into these supernatural occurrences. With that being said, welcome to the Paranormal Journal. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Paranormal Journal. I'm your host, John Curley. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another fine episode. Thank you, everybody out there. I want to thank you all for uh, downloading the podcast and listening. And I hope it's been good content for you. I hope you're getting learning a little bit of stuff about paranormal investigations and, and the activity that occurs within it. And uh, got a special guest for you tonight, uh, Mr. Chris DeCesare. I met Chris, uh, man, probably... 10 or 12 years ago, uh, I was with another radio network in uh, 
Chris was trying to get his story out there. Uh, he was haunted by a, a ghost in his dorm room up in college. Uh, they call it uh, the C2D1 haunting. It was up in uh, Sunny Genesio College. I guess that's how you spell it. Um, but that's where his college was, and his dorm room was haunted. And Chris had all kinds of experiences in that room from hearing disembodied voices to being touched to being assaulted. Uh, Cold chills, cold spots, these weird breezes of wind, and it just a lot of stuff happened in that door room. And Chris is going to come on tonight talking about it and tell you about all his experiences in that dorm room with him and his uh, fellow classmates, because his classmates experienced a lot of things too. So this is going to be very, very interesting. I'm going to get Chris on the hook here in a few seconds, and we are going to talk paranormal shop about his haunting c2d1 haunting so hold on folks while i get him on the hook and we are going to go live with chris and get him rolling on his story so i am excited to hear this because man it's an awesome story and he's been on national television a few times so you don't like this folks so hold on while i get him on the hook Chris, thanks for uh, coming on to uh, the Paranormal Journal podcast. I appreciate it, man. It's, good. it's been a long time since uh, we've talked, since uh, the Parax days. Yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I remember when you first came out with the story, that was... Whew. That wow. was 11, 12 years ago? 12 years ago. Yeah. I remember yeah. you sending out like an email, and I got an email, and I was like, what's this? Uh, and I got into contact with you, and you're like, you got to hear this story. I was like, this is cool, and I brought you on the show on Parax. And, uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to I share it at first, but I figured I'd just reach out and see if anyone wants to hear what to say. And it worked out pretty well, I thought. You know, yeah, man. Really I mean, like it's really launched you into the paranormal field. You've been all over the place with yeah, it. Who knew? I, you, you never know, right? <laughs> you, my dad always said, you don't swing the bat, you can't get a hit. So swing the bat and see what happens. You know, if you miss, you miss. That's okay. But uh, people have, to my surprise, really enjoyed hearing about those tough times at college. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting story, and uh, like a lot of the newer generation, you know, they haven't really heard it. You know, we heard it back in you know, 12 years ago, but a lot of these newer people out here, they haven't really heard it, you know, and right. it's it's all new to them. It's not new to us, but it's new to them, you know, and uh, every haunting is, is something different, you know. Yes. It's pretty. It's a pretty amazing story. Um, do you still kind of get kind of like a weird effect from it all these years later? Well, I mean, when when you go through, you plural, anybody goes through uh, a trauma, I don't think you ever truly forget it or go all the way beyond it. You still are reminded by what happens. So whether it's like an addiction or you lose someone in the family or bankruptcy or whatever the case may be, I think that even when you survive, move beyond it, I think a piece of that always stays with you. So every time I, I share, every time I see something on television about what happened to me, I remember clearly, I mean, I get the, get the feeling of what it was like to be in a strange world. It looked like my world, but it seemed different, you know, it's just a strange thing. It's, I suppose, I guess, if someone is going through a, a relationship breakup, they're dating someone for a long time or married, and all of a sudden the, the person says to them, listen, um, I don't love you anymore like I used to. It's over. You sit in that chair. You sat in thousands thousand times before, but now the room feels different. The chair feels different. Your world feels different because all of a sudden – how you define yourself has been changed. The person you gave your heart to says, I'm out. 
and you go through feelings of like confusion, anger, sadness, you know, you ignore. I think same thing like that. The paranormal does that to you. It's much like love. You can't really define love. It's just something that takes you over to some degree and changes how you feel and think. But paranormal is the same way. You know, you're not going to prove it to 55 people, but you're going to say this experience was traumatic for me and it changed my life. Yeah, so this all happened back in uh, 85. And uh, just uh, how did it start out? How did you, like, your first experience in the door room, like, you kind of thought maybe there's there's something here? That's a, that's a, it's a tough question to answer only because I wasn't looking for signs of a haunting. So I'm sure, I'm sure, John, there are probably things that I didn't pick up at first. I just thought them away because, nah. It wasn't until I began to, hear what they call nowadays a uh, disembodied voice in my college dorm room repeatedly over and over again you know, chris chris i mean, you know i thought it was a one of my friends playing a prank on me you know <laughs> open the door dang it the door's not locked open the door i'm doing something chris just open the door it is not locked you know <laughs> i never thought it'd be a ghost that doesn't my my understanding of things and so after the third time i got up i was angry i'm like what the hell's wrong with these people you know and so I opened the door and I started yelling, I told you what. And I looked left and looked right, unobscured view for at least 60 feet both directions. And at the time, I was a, a 208, 209 half miler, you know, it's pretty fast. Uh, no one's going to outrun or outmove me. So I thought, how bizarre is it that they could move faster than I can move? That shouldn't be possible. So I thought, well, wait a second. The sound I heard was in the room, but maybe it came from the window. Maybe it's someone outside the dorm down in the walkway was calling me from down below and because sound can bounce off of things. So I closed the door and looked at the window and had a soul. So I thought, well, it's, my dad always told me, control your environment. I ran many marathons and marathons are 26.2 miles, you know, 385 yards at the end there. And they're grueling. You have to pace yourself. You have to pace your water intake. All these things you have to do. Carbo load beforehand, uh, your mileage build up. So it's all about controlling the environment. And so I figured, you know what? If I can't hear them, they can't bother me, whoever they are. So I get headphones, put the headphones on, you know, like Princess Leia, the big blouse funk kind of things, you know. <laughs> and I put on my roommate stereo. It was um, Sammy Hagar, the album was called VOA, Voice of America. Oh, yeah. And the song was, I can't drive 55. Oh, yeah. And that was the song I played. Just It was just on that that moment. And as I'm listening to this song, thinking, ah, you see, I won this, this, this battle. I can't hear them. I win this. And then as I, I'm patting myself in the back, I hear in the headphones over the sound of Sammy Hagar singing in the band, second refrain, I hear Chris. I thought, wow. whoa, I threw the headphones on the ground and I bolted. That's the first time I realized something really strange was happening. That's pretty cool because it interfered with the music and everything and was able to override that. That's amazing. Yeah. There's no way a person, I, I really use the stereo. I use that stereo once every few weeks, maybe it's his stereo, but I figured I'd problem solve. No one in advance could know I would use that. No one has access to the room when I wasn't in it. So when that happened, I realized it's not friends playing a joke. Something weird's happening. That's why I kind of deduce it in my mind. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been a paranormal investigator for over 20 years and I've heard my name called quite a few times. I remember the first time I ever had it called, I thought, what the hell is going to happen? Something's going to happen. Like, why did it say my name? You know what I mean? And then I started figuring out that these things are, they're calling my name because they know I can hear them and they right, keep right. calling your name, calling your Bother name. Bother somebody else, please. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, 
I'm going to die or something. Like, I'm like, am I going to die or something? Like, why does he keep calling my name? But after well, a while, a lot I figured of people out. People like that, right? Yeah. People, people spend good money and good time looking for any kind of experience evidence they can find. So some people would say, hey, you were so lucky that you're hearing this thing call your name. And I suppose that's probably true, right? If you haven't experienced it. But it's kind of like if that, that person that everyone likes in high school goes on a date with you. Oh man, you would date with her? Oh, that is so badass. She's so hot, right? You think <laughs> yeah. that's true, right? But if she's terrible, she's mean, she's nasty, she's cold, you think, I'm not doing this again. So what people perceive as being an amazing opportunity, which maybe it would have been, if it goes bad for you, then all of a sudden you're like, I didn't want to do that again. Yeah, it wasn't you know? so, so, so great after all, right? <laughs> it's perspective, right? It's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 kind of escalated after that? Well, um, I, I decided to, after I heard that those, those voice in the headphones calling my name, I would just go out and run and live my life. Um, later that evening, uh, my, my roommate named Paul was in the room with me, college room, um, Erie Hall. That's the dorm on the campus of Geneseo, like after Lake Erie. And uh, we were in room C2D1. And it became that, that haunting became called that because we didn't want to say the word ghost. It would protect attention. So we just say, how are things? And C2D1, and that's what it was, not uh, a baby from C3PO and R2D2. Those <laughs> but, Sounds uh, <laughs> like a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, wait a second. Uh, but that that evening, um, Paul began to claim that he saw shadows above him as though something was blocking his light while he did his homework at his desk. And I was about 12 feet away from him across the room. And uh, he said, you know, part of my life is cut the shit. I'm like, I, I was reading a magazine about running. And I don't know what's going on. He goes, what? He goes, stop it. You're blocking my light. And so I said to him, Paul, well, I'm, how am I doing this? How am I blocking your light? I'm, I'm way over here. He looked at me. He's like, huh. He didn't know how that was possible. He, I keep blocking his light. So he said something to the effect of, this place is crazy. I'm getting out of here. And he went to go watch some movie in the in the college lounge, you know, Clint Eastwood, Tundra Lock and a Monkey, I think. Anyway, so he's <laughs> out. I locked the door behind him. I'm like, this is strange because I heard the voice and now he's seeing shadows. Calm yourself down, control your environment. And I don't know about you, but uh, there are certain things that make me happy. Things like lasagna, ice cream, certain foods make me really happy. You know, it's this is a terrible day. Oh, well, lasagna, not too bad. This is how I am. And my parents had sent me a, a, a box of candy for Valentine's Day. It was coming up in the next few weeks. And so they're called hot tamales. I love them. They're oh, yeah. like an ice but some flavor. So oh, yeah. I got this box of candy. I open them up and I'm chewing on the candy like this and I'm like sucking your teeth. And I have like four at once, you know, <laughs> really cool. As I'm eating these candies, um, over my shoulder, my right shoulder, uh, wherever the window would be in the, the end of the room, I see a person standing over my shoulder. And uh, I know this is physically impossible because I'm facing the door. It's a small room, no bigger than you know, 15 by 10, you know. And um, uh, I decide I just count to 10 because that was what I did to calm my nerves before big tests or marathons or events. I began to count 1,001, 1,002. I got to seven. And I could see in peripheral vision, I could see this thing moving. I'm like, wait a second. Why is it moving? That's ridiculous. It was to go away, not move. So I had to I had to look and see what I see. You know, and then there I turned around and I saw in the room, actually coming out of the stereo I had used previously to hear that Simi Haker song. I see this person standing there. And the, the person looks as though it's a, it's a human, male, young. Um, and it looks solid, except for the fact that the legs around the thigh area are disappearing into the stereo, almost like coming right out of the stereo, which of course is impossible. And the head is tilted as though the neck is broken. 
the eyes look like they're kind of dull and the mouth is like a gape a bit. And I say to myself, no way. This is definitely not happening. You are not seeing what you think you are seeing. And so just like in the movie, I pinched my leg and it hurt. I thought, okay, why am I seeing this? It can't be a reflection. This is something, is it a suggestion? At that moment, as I'm trying to work out this, this impossibility, the thing moves toward me a bit. And then very bravely, I scream, ah, and I bolt. Candy box <laughs> in the air, <laughs> click, 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 over the room, screaming. I ride that room so fast. I unlock the door. I throw it open behind me. I didn't even close it behind me. I just run. The first door I come to, bang, 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 bang in the hole. Help. Oh, my God. Help. Let me in. Let me in. And that's that's how people found out about the haunting because I'm <laughs> out of my lungs. And the room next to mine was shared. That was C2D2 by uh, Jeff, John Jeff Unger and Ed Sisson. Uh, Jeff was the one who took me to the Warren uh, lecture not long before that, and Lorraine Warren to meet them when they're young in their 30s. And uh, Ed, of course, wanted nothing to do with this. Of course, he was home. Jeff was down the hallway. And I hear Ed saying, what, what? I'm like, open that door, open that door. You know, and so he has nothing to do. He made me being killed. So he opens the door. I run in. Jeff hears me down the hall. Jeff comes running in the hallway. So what's going on? And I run into the room. I go right on the floor. And I curl up like a baby in a fetal position. I'm rocking back and forth. I panicked. I panicked. I can't believe I panicked because it didn't matter what I saw. The problem was I panicked. And if you're in the field of combat, if you're a brain surgeon, if you're a doctor, if you're a parent, a driver, just don't panic. Because if you panic, you make it worse for everybody, including yourself, correct? Yeah. So panicking makes everything worse. And I was ashamed of myself, not because I got scared, not because of what I was seeing, because for the first time in my life, John, I panicked and, and Jeff said over me and said, why, Chris, you know, why did you panic? What made you panic? And I had to say that horrible sentence. I saw a ghost. I was embarrassed to say it because I didn't think that was possible. There was Casper the ghost on television, you know, la, 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 la. And then there was Jesus and the Holy Spirit in church and nothing in between. And, and for me to have to accept the fact there might be living spirits or or ghosts on our in our in our planet existence just blew my mind i was a science guy i, I can't see neptune with my eyes but a telescope helps i can't see paramecium but a microscope helps but John, there are no ghost goggles i can't just put a ghost on hey grandma and this put me in a place i didn't want to be i was lunatic i was crazy i didn't understand at that moment that ghosts could exist yeah it's it's a humbling uh experience when you see one and that i've seen them yeah. Quite a few times, and uh, you know, I never got rattled seeing them. I got more rattled of of a thing that happened that I heard in my ear one time. This it got like real personal in my ear, right. and uh, the voice was really, really wicked sounding. And I, I, I actually ran. I ran out of an investigation. I've never ran out well, of an investigation. Survival instinct, right? Yeah, but it was like if I stay here, something's going to happen, and I just. I bolted, you know, I was like, man, it's yourself. I've your never did that before. And I did it. And, um, I didn't tell the guys I ran out of there, but I was outside for like 20 minutes. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, I ah, just getting a drink, you know, but I was like, my heart was like racing. I was like, man, I've never had anything like that happen. That's pretty scary. Yeah. It's a scary event. It, it, people think, you know, cause they watch a lot of the TV shows that it's really cool, but sometimes it's a really frightening thing. It really is. Especially yeah. you, you're you're hearing a voice, and sometimes you're not seeing it. You're hearing it. There's something in the room with you, but you can't see it. You're looking around like, 
Where the yeah. hell is it? You know, I think one of the differences that I experienced looking back on those days, because it's been such a long time now, I was a teenager back then, and I'm a grandpa, but thinking about those days, um, it wasn't as though I went looking in some old house or some old uh, abandoned warehouse, you know, it was, this was in my room where I slept uninvited, you know, and I, I think about that because it's an intrusion, right? I mean, if, if you, God forbid, you wake up one night in your home and you're lying in bed and there's a person looking over you getting there, I don't care who it is. That's a scary thing. Oh, yeah. Then if you don't know who they are, like, okay, why is a stranger in my house standing over me? You will never forget that. No matter what the situation was, that the person got lost, if they're drunk, they mean to harm you, it's a joke. You never forget that moment because that moment you're so compromised, you're so vulnerable, it can mean your life. And so if it's a, an actual person, you can like fight them off, you can call the police, what do you have to do, get help? But I thought about this, it was the spirit that people necessarily couldn't see or hear. All that made me look was crazy. You know, I'm, I'm hearing these voices and saying these things. I was in a bad place to make any kind of changes. So unlike people who now will get their K2 meters and they'll get their, their spirit boxes and go out there in groups of five or 10 and get their meal ahead of time and they have their plan set up, they mark places out, right? Do all these things. I'm a teenager in my college dorm just trying to have fun. And all of a sudden, bang, this happens. And uh, like I said, I was not ready for that. Yeah, in 1985, uh, you know, paranormal things were totally taboo. Uh, yes. Nobody really talked about ghosts and and like like now like now ghosts and paranormal stuff is a big thing. But back in '85, yeah. it wasn't a big thing. You didn't talk about it. Uh, no, you. I you know, your church. You lose relationships. Your yeah. family yells at you. Yeah, because I knew when I grew up. You know, I grew up in Baltimore City, and uh, yeah. we lived in an old mill town. But in the middle of the city, it's it, all the houses are over. A lot of the houses are over hundred some years old. So. There's a lot of paranormal activity in a lot of the houses and nobody talked about their houses being haunted, but they were, you know, right. and no one talked about it. And I think back then the only kind of TV show that had any kind of paranormal stuff on it was in search of with Leonard Nimoy. Yes. In search of, <laughs> and once in a while to get lucky, that's incredible. But those are yep. the things you ever saw that weren't just like fictional things, you yep. know? And, uh, Right. And, and aside from that, there was Ed Lorraine Warren going around to campuses and exploring things like Andyville Horror and things. That was basically it. And so when Jeff told me they were coming to the college campus, he was so excited to hear them and see them. I didn't know who they were, but it was free. That's good for college. And yeah. so I went with him because it's it's free. And it was interesting. I, I thought of it almost like Star Wars or Star Trek, where it's not real, but it's fun to watch. It's cool to see, you know, and uh, that's why I thought about it. But they were actually very prepared. It was an amazing presentation with their EVPs and they had these slides. And I'm going to tell you, um, the, when the rain spoke, she didn't speak at you, she spoke with you. And you knew wrong or right, she believed what she was saying. And it made it kind of cool to her sharing these things with you that no one else knows. And it was a nice experience. You know, I kind of thought it was cool to, to see them. I don't know if it was real or not until, of course, 10, 11 days later, I found out it was, but. I give them credit because you have to be brave to go out there and face slings and arrows when the society's uh, thought process is against you. Yeah. You know, and I, and I found out soon enough afterwards becoming the ghost boy, apparently, you know, it's like, the same thing happened to me too, but to a lesser degree, but they were brave and I admire them for that. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they kind of paved the way for a lot of things doing with paranormal stuff right today. I mean, it wasn't for them. Uh, 
the paranormal field probably wouldn't be where it's at, to be honest. Yeah, all the movies that have been made off of their experiences, the books that have been written off experiences, and even like John Zappas, good friend of mine, Hunter Collector, he's mm-hmm. their nephew. Yeah, you know, things happen that way. You know, they had they had the first dealings with um, Keith and Carl Johnson and Andrea Perrin with the the Conjuring House mm-hmm. and all that. So I mean, all these things that make up the core uh, of the haunting concept the the practices the belief systems the terminology they they really spread they popularized it uh, back in the 70s and 80s and i had the chance to speak with um judy their daughter and tony their son-in-law not too long ago at an event um and uh i can tell you that i think it's impressive they stayed true to the parents in other words they use the same words same terminology they respected their parents I felt as I was back in time, 30, 40 years, hearing them, I thought, it's very kind of you to say, this is, instead of saying, this is my take, I think differently, this is me, me, they honored the people who got them there, and I thought, how, how kind is that? You know, when you're, when you're on a team, when you're in a regiment, when, when you people depend upon you, and you can respect them, kudos to you. Yeah, yeah, that's just like, uh, you know, when I was coming up through, through the ranks, I watched Ed Lorraine Warren, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and uh, I kind of took some of the practices that they did. I remember seeing Ed walking around with with headphones on, plugged into an old analog tape recorder, and I started yeah. plugging in digital voice recorder. I mean, now everybody calls it live EVP, but I used to just call it plugging in. You know, twenty years ago, it was like we're just plugging in. We're right. <laughs> we're we're it's, doing the same thing. And EVP, what is that? Well, yeah, right. like live EVP. Like I investigated with um, Jason and those guys, and yes. uh, on a, one of my investigations that we were on. Uh, ghost nation on and uh tango's like yeah we're gonna do live evp i was like i do that all the time he's like oh do you i was like yeah i was like i said i just call plugging in though <laughs> yeah. he's they were a great bunch of guys too uh guys from ghost hunters jason yes. and them and i've been a part of their organization for taps family for, since its beginning well they make themselves accessible which is very good some people yeah. don't but they they really try to guard their way to meet people say hello and and they understand too, uh, you know, the opportunity to share in a public fashion on TV and movies and conferences. It's not a given, you know. And, yeah. and they they fought long and hard to establish a positive name for themselves and a a good track record of helping people. So they appreciate, for the most part, what it is that they're afforded to do in life. That's a cool thing, and I I, I admire that too. Good people. Yeah, they are really great great people. I, when I investigated with them, I was like, well, wow, I never thought I'd. Be at this moment of paranormal investigating and here i am and they're investigating one of my cases you know what i mean i was like it was pretty awesome but uh yeah it's it's a humbling experience and um i'm glad you've you've made it pretty good good ways in the uh, paranormal field since uh last i talked to you i mean you've been all over the all over the country with this thing it's it's not me john it's people it's people who believe in me and my message and think that you can learn uh, from trauma, from hardship, and from not giving up. And uh, I, I, you know, the the first time I spoke, I didn't want to speak. You know, in fact, this is like a literal true story. I flipped a coin, I flipped a quarter, and I told the guy for the event, if it's heads, I'm going to go speak out there. Because I expected 10 people, 250 people. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then if it's tails, I'm not, it was heads. So I went, and I went out the first time and I said, hi. Um, Where was your first event? My name at? is Chris. And um, oh, I used to be called. Uh, the ghost boy, like, woo! I'm like <laughs> oh, okay, so, so far, so good. But, you know, 
that's, you know, eventually sci-fi got a hold of me and things like that. I went into Coast to Coast. I got into Travel Channel. It's just nice. They made a movie. They wrote books. So I, it's a weird thing because I never tried to propel anything. I I never I never got my T-shirt and crossed my arms and made the scowl for my post. I never did any of that. I just up <laughs> and talk. You know, I'm just I'm just I'm be some yourself. Guy. Yeah, just be yourself. Yeah, I'm some guy. And uh, thank, thank God that I, I survived those days. And I'm so proud that people can look beyond themselves once in a while and say, hey, what can he uh, share or tell us? And I, I can't, unfortunately, live tell you what's happening, but um, the biggest opportunity of my life is going to happen next year, which is going to dwarf anything I've done before. So it's going to propel me to a whole new level. I'm hoping I'm ready for it. You know, I, awesome. I'm not all that smart. I don't I don't travel well, but you, people can expect to see me all over the place uh, next year, everywhere you look. So it's going to be awesome. a I'm talking to John Zaffis about that and prepared. I'm talking to people who've been there before. So I'm just fingers crossed. Good luck, man. I put you good on it, brother. I really do. I got to lose some weight and I got to, you know, get myself together here. And because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, because when they put you on these things, you always look back and, oh, no, is that me? I look like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Well, when you get older, man, you, you're not I'm, as yeah, active I'm an old as car. Word, I got rust on me now and my. I got spark plugs still. They don't work. <laughs> You're a grandfather now, for God's sake. Come on. You know? I, I love it. It's just this is my chance to make my my biggest positive impact. And so I'm taking it very seriously. So that's awesome, by man. next spring, you'll everyone know what I'm talking about. And they'll listen back to they'll listen back to the show and say, Oh, he referred to that. <laughs> that's awesome. So off air, wait. we can talk if you want. That's awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, so the whole haunting in the gender, do you think, you know, after hearing the voices you've seen this apparition uh did at one point or any point did you think this thing is gonna do something to me attack yeah. me or yeah absolutely uh i mean i, I was hoping that wasn't the case you know because again you talk about casper and jesus and two things that for me are very positive you know and but you ever get it walk into a room and you get an odd feeling and sure enough there's a fight going on you didn't even know about that yet or you're oh, yeah. on a subway and you think someone's looking at you, you turn your back they're looking at you like yeah like I got your intuition whatever this thing was in the room that something was wrong and i'll tell you how i really knew uh everyone as a teenager is a little crazy as a teenager right so people just go drinking people go shooting up things I mean, people go nuts you know um my thing as a teenager was it was popular time I'd go streaking. We're going streaking. I would <laughs> all through high school, college, some guy running through naked with a head bag, and I said that was me, you know. And so I was never ever shy. Even for my cautionary things about being naked, when that thing was in the room, I couldn't get undressed. I could not get undressed because I felt like it was like looking at me in a in a possessive, bad. I, I was I was amazed at the change in my mindset from this this presence, and the closet door would open up. And there'd be looking at that closet door. Sometimes at night, I'd I'd wake up and its face right in front of my face, looking at me inches away, and my face would be like numb from the cold. Other times, it would like rub my leg at night with these icy cold fingers. Oh, I hated it. Ooh, I, that's creepy. I hated it, and it wasn't violent, but Chris, 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 it's like having a person who won't leave you alone ever. It's like stop, leave me alone. But I couldn't close my door. I couldn't call the cops. I couldn't get help. I just would do what I wanted to do. It was always there. I'd be taking a shower, and there it was. I'd be going to class. There it was. And uh, I got to the point where I couldn't sleep well and I, I was not eating properly. I was failing my classes. I was losing my scholarship for running. I didn't go to track practice. And so finally, my roommate, Paul, after one horrible night where it's fighting with my pillow, it's like I'm in the pillows in the air and I'm trying to push, pull the pillow back and I can't get the pillow out of the air because it's holding it. I'm like, leave my pillow. Alone. 
craziness. My roommate wow. said, we have to, we have to get help, you know? And, um, we took Jeff's notes, Jeff was recording notes and Paul and I went to see a, a priest, a father, Charles Manning. And we said, please help us because we cannot live this way. And I asked him years later why he helped us. Cause we could be like drug addicts. He said, oh no, he said, you came into my, my office and you were rubbing your hands. You're nervous. You were sweating. You were slurring your work. I mean, I knew something horrible was happening to you. And he came to that room a few days later and he blessed the room. And it wasn't like on TV with like flames and lizard breath and explosions. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, a ceremony with the candles and the prayers and the holy water and things. And you know, after that, it kind of settled down until three years after that, when the attacks began. Once my room was blessed and the ghosts, for some reason, respected the blessing. It was kind of amazing how he did that. He just, okay, got it. But it, he got angry and began to attack people. Uh, he held down Linda in her bed. He grabbed hold of a, a, a brine and let him go on his leg. Um, he he knocked Beth unconscious. Wow. Eventually he got me. He got me where I was across my back. I was just scr three scratches from my neck down to my hips, bloody on the ground in the shower. People found me on the floor bleeding. Wow. It got very, very violent, you know. And whew, so that's how I went from thinking it might be bad to knowing it was pretty bad and thinking I would probably die because I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to control it. And when you know you look in the mirror when you're bleeding and in and, and in your back, you think, I can't stop this and I can't do anything about it. And I'm wondering if I can keep moving forward. And I think that's the thing that Ed Warren would say, like the oppression and things like that, where it begins to wear you down. And you know, there are some folks who are dyslexic. In other words, they they look at words. Letter, they see the letters, but their mind reads them in different fashions. So people think, wow, you are so dumb. What's wrong with you? Try your lazy. But they're not. Their brain processes differently. They see things differently. And so they're as smart as you are. If that's smarter, but they just can't communicate what they're seeing. It's frustrating if you're dyslexic because people think you're stupid, but you're actually brilliant. You have to work harder than all. You're actually probably smarter. But you, people don't see that. And so there I am thinking about this ghost. I'm thinking, no one's going to believe me. I can't every day put her back together again. I just cannot do this. My perception wasn't the same, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, it was freaky. On one occasion, Jeff said, let's get pictures of the ghost, the photographs. I'm like, really? Pictures, photographs? <sighs> Fine. And so the ghost was in this room and he had his camera and I saw the ghost above the bed. And I said, well, there's the ghost. Get the picture. Where? Uh, Jeff, the dead thing. That's the ghost. What ghost? Jeff, the dead thing. Look at us. That's take his picture. I don't see it. How can you not see it? It's looking right at us. You can see him playing. So Jeff said, if you can see him, take the camera, take the picture. Boom. I took one picture. I ran out. Ah, very bravely, of course. And that became the photograph of the skeleton by the wall above the bed that I had taken. So oddly enough, I could see things he couldn't see. He saw the effect of things. He saw the curtains shake. He saw my shirt blow back. He saw things move in the room, temperature drops. Uh, he saw clocks flash and things. He saw the effect of the ghost, but not the ghost itself, which is fascinating to me. Wow. That's crazy. I thought so. And I don't want to talk about it, but people, when they see these things and hear these things, they want to know. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's scary, man. Like you're now when you got scratched, did that leave oh. a, a scar on your back? Yes, sir. Um, it, it's, it's a weird thing. I thought at first, if I can explain, if you don't mind, um, I thought I was stabbed because if you've ever gotten cut with a knife, it's a, it's a, a straight edge and it makes a, a nice clean cut. And so at first the nerves are cut, you feel nothing. But eventually the pain will come there, right? So you're like, what do they call water, right? You 
fix the wound. So I, I feel like I'm stepping the back in the shower, take my shower. I get pushed against the wall, but I face the wall. I remember tasting the cleaner they used to wash the, the tiles down. And, you know, in the movies they go, oh, no, help. Hell, you're attacking me in the shower. I'm fighting. You're going to know there's going to be a fight. So I push against the wall. I punch out as hard as I can physically punch. I'm an athlete back then, you know. I tear the shower curtain off the ring. And I look out the bathroom, and there's nobody, nothing. And I'm yelling, show yourself. Come out and fight. Go, show yourself, you coward. What are you? I'm screaming top of my lungs, challenge, whatever it is. Then I realize, oh, my back. And so I looked in the mirror to see the knife where the knife was, but it wasn't a knife. There were these three roughly parallel scratches, almost like a like a claw hammer, but much larger, that were be- was beating up blood already with a matter of seconds. And it burned. It wasn't like a normal thing. It was just hard to explain. And I don't know if it's because of the cold or the panic or the trauma or the pain, but I started to shake a little bit. And I remember falling on the ground. And um, when my friends found me on the ground about a minute later, um, they put a towel around me and they brought me into Ed and Jeff's room right across the hall. And Beth was there. Was there. And uh, we're going to the hospital. We're going to the hospital. You have all these wounds on you. We're going to get hospital. This is really bad. And I said, I'm not going to the hospital because I knew they would think I'm self-harming, that I was seeing things. And if I couldn't move, if I was restrained, dated, it would get me. The thing would get me. And I couldn't risk that. And so... I must have seemed crazy to them. And I said, no, no, no. I made a compromise. I made a compromise. We got peroxide, cotton swabs, and bandages. And for 47 minutes, I watched the clock go. 47 minutes, it was peroxide and cotton swab on my back. Uh, bandage. Peroxide and cotton swab, back. Uh, bandage for 47 minutes because uh-huh. I'd rather have that happen. And I couldn't wear a shirt because I put the bandages to pull off. So I just sat in my room for three days with no shirt on with the bandages until I started to feel a little better about being safe. So we got to my room again, which was blessed. And I remember um, after a couple of weeks, they would itch. It's a little bit like it's a scathing. I mean, and then uh, by the time I, the semester ended, I was uh, in summertime, went to the beach in Virginia and I'd forgotten that about my scratches on my back, you know? So I pulled my shirt off and the guy's like, dude, what happened to your back? Wow. I'm like, oh, I think th-. I'm like, Oh man, those college girls were crazy. My man, whoa, with the college girls. <laughs> I lied. I have to sound cool somehow, you know, and I realized, keep the shirt on. Um, that September, that fall, I could still see them. By the following summer, uh, so a little over a year later, if I got a suntan, it would still be like light color there, a little bit like that. And now it's been, I don't think I'd see them anymore. It's been so many years. But for the first year or two, you could see them if I got a sunburn. A little scratch marks on there. So yeah, Kind of like a cat scratch or something, like something like that, or? Deeper. Well, a uh, little, little deeper than that. A little deeper, uh, a lot longer, a lot more painful. I've gotten cash catches before, but they go away in a couple of days. This, this took about four or five days to actually begin to heal. Even it was just it's disgusting. It was, it was different. And I had it, it burned, uh, almost like a chemical burn more than it felt like a wound. A very strange. I'm thinking, what the hell is this? I mean, uh, hello. How do I, how do I deal with something I don't understand again? That's just, I just wanted to go to college run, play some baseball, eat some pizza, meet some girls. I just want to live the American dream. And time and time again, it's like, leave me alone. And I kept on, I don't know if he's there or not. I kept saying, God, please just take it away. You got the wrong guy. I, I cannot do this. You picked terribly. You know, it's, it's going to feel <laughs> epically. It's not a good choice. And But yeah, ironically, some 35, 40 years later, here I am sharing this experience in a positive way. So maybe 
just maybe the big guy was right and I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been scratching investigations before uh, one time, and I got scratched in the face from my temple down to my cheek. Didn't even know it happened at first until afterwards, and uh, the guy I was investigating with was like, hey, your face is bleeding. I was like, what? And when, right, I, when right. I went like this, it was blood, and then, then it started burning, like, really bad. There's the burn. That's right. Yeah, There's I was the like, burn. what the hell? I said, how the hell did that happen? And I'm a construction worker by trade. I don't have any nails, and uh, I couldn't. Right, explain. suspect yourself, right. Yeah, I was. I couldn't explain, because we were having paranormal events happening, and uh, I was like, what the hell is going on? And all of a sudden, you know, we were hearing ground noises. Things started moving around in the room, and yep. and all of a sudden, I'm scratched, and I'm like, I didn't feel it until now. Now my face is burning. It was It was really weird. And yeah. it stayed there for like a week or so, or two weeks, maybe two weeks almost. You're unusual. Yeah, before it finally healed up, and uh, yep. it was just weird. It was a weird moment, almost kind of like you. It was uh, I remember strange. Jeff grabbing my arms by the elbows and pulling them way back. I'm like, ah, what are you doing? He wanted to make sure I couldn't do it myself. He wanted to prove, like, there's no way I could scratch myself. I just couldn't do it. You know, it's not possible to bend your arms that way, just for his own edification. And after that, he goes, okay, let's take care of this because, you know, and... Uh, yeah, they say like the three scratches are like the, the mocking of the Holy Trinity. I didn't know that. Like that. I, I didn't no either. I just later on they're saying, just you know, that means this. I'm like, oh, really? It does? That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't the ghost like vacuum or something like that? Yeah. What's that for? This is stupid. Exactly. You're like, what the hell? Why three scratches is demonic? Or really? I didn't know that. <laughs> but then it's supposed to be like three is like the Holy Trinity, but supposedly they say it's a mocking that it mocks that, right? Yeah, it mocks the like the Holy Trinity of. Yeah. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and right. I mean, three is a is a significant number in like science and mathematics, and so it makes sense that like paranormal things happen in threes. Like you have stuff happen three in the morning, or if you ask a ghost to do something, it'll knock three times. And what's I've had happen a bunch of times where you hear like right. three knocks, and you're like, okay, what's okay. next? Right. You know what I mean? Like that's interesting. So what? Was the final, I mean, did it follow you? Like when you went home, when you went home to your parents' house, did it follow you there? No, I, I made sure of that. My parents didn't suffer because of what I was going through. And so around April 13th, after this horrible dream, that friends were being killed one by one. I went and took a, took a hot shower. like kind of cleansed myself of the thoughts. And I went into the room. I broke the police blessing. And I said, listen, I'm going to talk to you because this can't keep going on. And so in that room, I, I spoke to him and, uh, uh, I remember I wanted to really be angry and I wanted to hate him for what he'd done. But when I saw his face, he looked really, really sad, just unbelievably sad. It made me angry at myself for not staying angry, you know, like, but I remember I said, well, what are you doing? Why are you here? And uh, he said, I made a mistake. I can't do the voice. I said, I made a mistake and uh, so much pain. And um, so I, I I just asked a couple of questions like, you know, where are you from and things like that. So Jeff could fill in his notebook. We get some more facts about what the thing was. And then I said, listen, if you need to believe whatever you think, if you're forgiven and then someone still loves you. So if you've been wanting my help this whole time, I'm going to give it to you by saying this. Find rest because you just can't stay here. I'm going to count to 10, just like, you know, when uh, you first arrived uh, in my room and I counted to 10 and I opened my eyes and nothing was there. And, uh, I waited, nothing. And so a couple of days later, my friends were saying, hey, listen, uh, what happened with the ghost? There's, there's been no flashing lights, no sounds, no voices. Have you heard anything? And I explained to my friends that I had taken the opportunity to speak to it and break the priest's blessing, which might have been foolish, but 
and I thought it was gone. And um, that's the last time that I think people heard or saw this ghost. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, it did find rest. I, I guess I won't know myself until I cross over. Hopefully I do it in a positive way. But I have to tell you that um, I was relieved that I, I stopped seeing it. Um, although, you know, it, it, it was years until I could sleep by myself and uh, in a bed by myself, you know, just I couldn't couldn't do it. I have to be by somebody or with somebody. And it was a pickup line. It was just like, I'd be, get in bed with me, you know, it's just, <laughs> I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it, you know? And yeah. uh, even to this day, it's been you know, 37, 38 years. I still once in a while hear the wind or I'll hear sound. And just the first thing I think of is the ghost, you know, and it makes no sense, but I don't, I think that PTSD does that. I think it kind of circumvents your normal logic and I don't know, you know, if it will ever go away, but at least I'm here. So. Yeah, I mean, I have weird stuff that happens from time to time in my house, uh, just from paranormal investigating. And uh, like I said, you're always on edge with it for some reason. You know, it's like I'll hear weird things in the house, and then I'll it'll have me on edge. All of a sudden, I'll be like, "Okay, did something follow me home?" Or you know, and I know something did because I've had weird things happen since I've been paranormal investigating, and this house was fairly new i bought it and uh you know just hearing i heard a voice in the house one time and my wife uh heard it we heard a voice and she looked at me she goes what was that i was like and i lied to her i said it's the computer i left the computer on and she's like oh okay thinking because you don't make her worry right she totally believed it and i'm like that was a disembodied voice that i heard heard." i was like oh no (laughs) and then i'm like laying in bed with my eyes wide open like this thing could be in the room with me right now, and I can't see it. So, did you do any research on the room and figure out what well, what happened? Yeah, in there? well, at the time, no, because as a friend, if I learn more and stay longer, you know, like, oh, so your name is and this and this, I I want just to go away. My my friends researched a bit, and um, you know, there were stories about a young college kid who might have hung himself in that area. Maybe that was him. There are stories about Indian burial ground under the ground. You know, there are stories about being a concentration camp for German prisoners during world war II. A whole bunch of stories, you know, but I, I, I don't know. And then um, one thing I can tell you is that Jeff began to write everything down, like in a journal notes. He had like that's six good. notebooks of stuff, yeah, that's which is really good. Have his time, you know, between the photographs and the, the recordings, the EVPs, they call them now. Right. And the, the notes and they became, what was used for all the movies and TV shows, his writings that were in and of that moment, you know, and um, he, uh, he always believed that we would someday know. And he told me, if you ever talk to it, get brave, ask it questions that are close ended, you know, not like, how are you feeling? And so when I talked to that ghost on that, that April evening, I asked him, where are you from? And he said one word, he said, Danville. Now, there's a place called Dansville with an S down the road from the college. So I thought, oh, maybe he's a local kid. I just heard him wrong. It's a ghost, you know, but right from there. Maybe that kid who killed himself, right, was was the kid from Dansville. So that kind of kind of makes some sense. This is, you know, you're just the fact. Well, um, my mother, of all things, was doing some genealogy about 10 years ago. This is after the sci-fi show and everything was out. And she goes, did you know, and my mom, I love my mom, she's always researching things, that we I had a relative on my, my side that, fought uh, against the British in the Revolutionary War. That's cool, Mom. Yeah, 
Yeah, a couple weeks later. Did you know that my ancestors, Bernard and Adam Hubbley, they found a dead body by your college? I'm like, what? You know, and in the notes, we always called this ghost Tommy. I called him Tommy because I had a parakeet named Tommy. Paul called him Tommy because <laughs> Tommy, can you hear me? Uh, Someone called him Tommy because Tommy not. We all call it Tommy for different reasons. Jeff's like, that's really weird. So my ancestors uh, found the body of a kid named Thomas, Tommy Boyd. Wow. He'd been mutilated and tortured, hung from a tree by Native Americans. Oh, you're talking 1780 something, 1789 maybe. And uh, the tree that he was killed in was called the torture tree. And I would run by that tree most every day in my cross-country practice, not knowing anything. So it is likely looking back that I ran by that tree and this thing said, whoa, wait a second. I know this family. I know this person. Ironically, I ran the Montreal Marathon four times. This Thomas Boyd, before he was uh, killed, he'd been captured years prior in Montreal and marched the streets where I'd run years later. I come from Orange County, New York. He was born in Orange County, New York. The interesting thing was when he was killed, he lived in Danville, no S, Pennsylvania. Wow. So we had Tommy, we had Danville, we had a relative connection, we had everything, a contact, boom. And this fell into place maybe five, six years ago, starting 30 years after I spent almost every day with this thing for weeks and months. And so people, someone to say, oh, I'll walk in, it's this person. We don't even understand each other. We talk about sports and politics when we're alive. We can't know everything and every wrong talking about through the veil, you know? So I always say, slow it down. Don't put it on Facebook yet. Just go easy, you know, research and look at things because it took all of us about 30 years to figure out who this person was. And if we had gone with that story, that belief that some kid committed suicide and hung in the room and things like that, oh, that's the way it was, we'd have made, made fools of lost credibility because I'm a guest and not that knowledge. And so thankfully, I didn't want to share that because I didn't know it was true or not. And we waited until we had the verification. Penn State did some research for us and verified my, my lineage, verified they found the body, all that stuff. So, wow. And that's a mile from my college. So there we go. So that's awesome. Like it picked up when your, your presence, when you ran, when you were running by and yeah. attached itself to you. Yeah. And my wow. great, 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 great grandparent and uncle found the body and buried it. They had been wow. That's a, yeah. it came, that, 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 haunt, that haunting came full circle. Yeah. Hundreds of years later. Yeah. hundred and the, yeah. 200 and, uh, whatever, four years, three years. Yes, it's insane. I, I know, and I had no idea. I think sometimes life does have patterns and does have cycles, but we live in a certain period of time. We, we look at so little things. We don't see the yeah. big picture all around us, you know, how yeah. the world changes and just these patterns. We don't, we can't quite see it because you're limited. That's so amazing, the, the story that you're talking about, because uh, we did a case um, back in 2010. Uh, we were on uh, the animal planet, The Haunted. Yes. And uh, I was on that show and we had a case. Uh, this woman and the, the husband and the family were seeing a spirit in the house and it was affecting the animals and the dog. They had a dog and uh, they named the dog Leroy. He was a boxer and named him Leroy. Really odd name for a, a dog is to be called Leroy, right? <laughs> so it's cool like, though. Yeah. Leroy like, Jenkins. Oh, he was, he was like one of the best dogs. He was cool. Was or big, why. bad Leroy Brown, baddest dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're investigating the case, and it, sure enough, they're having lots of paranormal activity. We're experiencing lots of things, and, and we start researching the property, and we find that there's a guy named Bill that lived there at one time, and uh, he didn't die in the house, but he did die in a hospital, 
but he was we found out that he was forcibly removed from the house by his brother what because because his brother there was no one there to take care of him he was dying from um, emphysema and he was dying alone basically and uh his brother he, he didn't want to leave the house so his brother they had nobody to care for him so his brother had him forcibly removed by the hospital Okay. And supposedly he was kicking and screaming. He didn't want to go. He wanted to die in that house. And uh, he died in the hospital, but his, his ghost came back. And then we started researching who his brother was. And guess what his brother's name was? Leroy. Leroy. I'm like, what right. in the hell? How I said, how would you right. have it's ever known that? Odds. Yeah, I'm like, how would you? And we, we wound up getting into the lineage of the family. And we, we met the grandchildren. And the grandchildren came back to the house. And uh, they're all grown. They're all in their 60s and stuff now. And, and they were all grown. And um, it was quite a moment. It was like the, the haunting came like full circle. Like it was supposed to happen this way. Like we I were like all that. here. It was awesome. It was like the awesomest thing that's ever happened since I've been paranormal investigating. And uh, it, we were just all like, I mean, they were crying in the house. And it was it was pretty awesome. It was I was like, wow, like they, they were, this was supposed to happen. Like this was and you got this family back to the house with him, so he's put this family one more time. It's nice. Yeah, it was it was an incredible feeling, and uh, I've never had anything happen like that since. But it was like it came full circle, and it was like it's sort of just like you. It came full circle. Yeah, yeah, but who knew, right? I had yeah. no clue. I just it's an awesome it's an awesome event when it happens. You know, you're just like wow, that's it's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. and like I said, you know, um, Paul said, well, Jeff said, go to the Warrens. Paul said, go to the priest, you know, my, my, uh, people always like pushed me forward. You know, it's always people doing these things. My mom found that information, uh, everything I've done. I mean, people told me to write the book, Tim Shaw said, keep talking. So the whole way people have been, come on, do it. You can do it. You go Rudy, go, you know, and, uh, that's what's happened. I, I find it odd that I don't, I don't like push things. I don't, this is not my, my deal, but I'm in this current and it's been a very positive current. It's been a very helpful current. I kind of swim along with it. It makes it easier for me. And I think I found my place. I think in spite of all my anguish and my fear and my stubbornness, I think I found my reason, my purpose is to hopefully share some positivity about events and perspective. And uh, I, I feel, I feel kind of good about that. I wish it never happened, but it did. And I, I think I'm making the most of it. And yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> I think it's it's all for a reason, uh, for yeah. reasons for reasons unknown. But I think you know it's like uh, a particular story that happens to someone. It's meant for you to be in that spot, like for some reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's beyond our control. Um, I've had a lot of really weird things that happen. They never they never made it to a spotlight event, but they were awesome. They happened, and I appreciated yeah. them for happening to me. But it's just like there's these certain stories that are meant to be told and for people yeah. to know you know what i mean it's and you're there to tell that story that's what you're there for it's weird it's it's like it's that path that you're supposed to be on and and people will sometimes say well how did you achieve that how did you get the notoriety what did you do to make that big break nothing nothing yeah. i did i did i mean i'm a good person when i go places i share with all my heart you know i i appreciate things but i I never planned anything out. In fact, this thing I can't talk about yet is a media blackout. I got an email in February from London. I'm like, really? Okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's the biggest thing in the world. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I just, like I said, I, I, I've given up trying to chart my own course because whoever this is doing this for me, whoever is guiding this, 
it's it's really helped everyone around me in a very positive way. And uh, as long as I keep talking about positivity, I think and be a good person, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it, you know. And because sometimes you you fight against the world, and it's so hard, and it makes you tired, it makes you angry. And I think it was uh, yeah, Darwin said, you know, ultimately speaking, he said it's not strength or intelligence that lets the species survive; it's adaptability. So I've adapted from saying, don't call me ghost boy to saying, fine, I'll be ghost boy. I'll, <laughs> I'll go talk and share and things are much better for me now. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. That's, I'm very, very happy for you. Thanks. It is. I mean, it's like few people come into your life that you've known for like, I mean, like meeting you all those years ago, you know, it's like, it's just a coincidence that, you know, you emailed me and, you know, we corresponded. You were on, and I've known you for a lot of years. I've been watching you throughout the And you're a nice years. guy too. You're a really good you person. Know? Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, you know, I've, I've helped a lot of people out over the years, like putting them on, a, putting on my show. And uh, it, it's just, it's, it's fun to see. I see you on TV. I seen you on TV. I was like, Hey, there's Krista Chesare. Yes. <laughs> I, I was like, yes. I was like, finally, get to see this story on TV. It's I'm awesome. warning you, if you're going to be sick of me pretty soon, and I'm sorry about that, but <laughs> when that happens, let me back on. I can tell you about the experience, all right? Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you, man. That's awesome. Oh, man. Awesome. Mark. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on with me tonight, man. I appreciate it. I know you take time out of your busy day and uh, to talk to me, and I appreciate it. You ring the bell like I'm running, my friend. I'm always there. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the Paranormal Journal Show with me. My pleasure, John. My pleasure. You are the man. I can't, I hope you got good things coming to you, brother. I appreciate it. Amen. You got it, brother. Well, folks, we're going to wrap this up for tonight. Uh, that was Chris DeCesare you're talking to on air, what I'm talking to. And big things coming up for Chris. I hope he does really, really well. And uh, I'm rooting for him. So good night, all. And uh, see you next time on the Paranormal Journal. That will conclude our broadcast of the Paranormal Journal podcast. Have a great night.